0: What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English, joined by my co-host, Zach Hamill. Today, we're back for another NBA podcast episode. We got a doozy today. Zach, how we doing? Hey, man,
1: doing well. How you doing?
0: you know, not too bad. We had a lot to do or dive into, you know, a lot of trades, lots of free agent signings. We're going to go over our shooting guard rankings. Um, I guess we'll kind of just start with a lot of the big moves that were made. We'll go over which teams we thought um, improved the most, which teams didn't. And then we'll go into the shooting guard rankings. So um, overall, which, um, what moves were or stood out to you the most in free agency
1: um it was a trade but it's kind of been along the same lines i think yeah. the Suns same. getting chris i think the sons getting chris paul was probably the biggest swing of any team i just think that they were uh building building towards something they, they got a, one of the best point guards ever to link up with devin Booker. you know i just i think it's a great fit um you know paul was the sixth seed on the thunder last year better now, so I accept, expect them to be a playoff team for the first time in God knows how long. I think they took the biggest jump up.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably definitely the biggest move between trade and free agency. Um, Gallinari going to the Hawks was a little bit interesting. I think that was another um, big move. Schroeder and Harrell to the Lakers. Um, Grant and Plumley going to the Pistons. A lot of kind of intriguing signings. Um, wasn't there still Anthony Davis still has to sign. I think the assumption is he's still going to go back to the Lakers. Um, there hasn't been an, a lot of other huge, huge moves. Russell Westbrook and John Wall's names have been rumored around um, free agency wise, though. There um, hasn't been like that huge, huge signing really outside of uh, Gallinari, maybe Bogdanovich um, yet.
1: Yeah, I mean Van Vliet went back to the, to Toronto. Um, Hayward is an insane number, but I don't think it really changes the landscape very much. Um, you know, I just I think next year is the big year, and then and then the biggest domino, obviously, is if Giannis doesn't sign his extension, then I think people start to freak out. But I expect I think he will. I mean, I have no idea, but if I had to guess, I would say he will.
0: Yeah, and then that's
1: that's why I think Anthony Davis is waiting.
0: Yeah, I agree, and. Um... The other, I guess, big trade would be the trade for Drew Holiday for the Bucks, which um, I'm still iffy about. The trade looked a lot better when they had acquired, reportedly acquired Bogdanovich from the Kings, but then he opted not to sign with the Bucks and he ends up going to Atlanta. Um, So, you know, not that the trade's awful, but they did give up um, a ton of, you know, picks and players, not that I, – I think Holiday is definitely better than both Bledsoe and George Hill, but at the same time, I think in getting Holiday, they're losing some uh, bench depth. Yeah, I, I think
1: he's one of those guys that everyone always tells you how underrated he is, that he kind of becomes overrated, if that makes sense. No, he's I good, agree. He's a good player, but he's made an all-star team once, I think. You know, I don't know if – you're right. It's just a, a little bit of a step up from Bledsoe. I kind of think maybe the front office was like, "Dude, you got to stop playing ten guys, so we're gonna send off three of them." Like I kind of, I mean, was, maybe I'm reaching, but the way the way Bud always takes shit for not playing Giannis enough minutes in the playoffs, maybe they were like, "We're just taking your bunch away. We're gonna force your hand."
0: Yeah, really. But, I mean, you. Lose. But it looked a lot better
1: when when Bogdanovich was gonna go there for sure. I just, um, and it's tough. You know, now you got to look at DiVincenzo and be like, "Hey, sorry about that. <laughs> you know, we were we were gonna trade you." Now you know about it. I mean, he'll get over it. He's a grown man, but you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, you lose Hill, you lose Bledsoe. I believe Ilya Sova's also gone now. And those were three pretty key pieces in the rotation. Like you said, now Dante's kind of got to be like, all right, well, this team really didn't even want me or they were going to trade me. But like you said, I'm sure he'll get over. I just don't think that – Yeah, Wes Matthews too was a starter for them. Yeah, and I think that was a great pickup for the Lakers as well. Um
1: yeah, they didn't have anything huge, but they did a great job just uh, tidying up the corners. You know, they replaced Rondo with Schroeder. That's probably a step up. They replaced Dwight with Harrell. That's probably a step, a step up. And then you're right; they swap Tony Green for West Matthews. Just plug and play. And you know, I think they're they're gonna they're coming in the next year as the favorites, probably. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree. And we can kind of take the next step here into which you know three teams we thought had. The best offseason in which three had the worst, and I'll kind of just start off based on what we were talking. About. I thought the Lakers had one of the best off seasons. because, as you just mentioned, you talk about replacing Rondo, which, granted, Rondo's a beast, always comes up through in the playoffs, but he's still getting older. Sure, is definitely going to give them more upside as far as offense goes, and he's still not a bad defender. Um, Montrez Harrell's a huge pickup for them, replacing Dwight Howard, uh, Wes Matthews replacing Danny Green. Um, pretty much the same kind of player, but I think what Matthews actually has been shooting it a little bit better over the past few years, um, re-signing KCP. I'm assuming they're going to get AD back. And then, um, saw was a low key and nice ad for them as another, you know, bench center, or if they do want to start him and have Harold come off the bench, like he did for the Clippers. I think it was a good off season for them. And like you said, I think they're going to be the favorites going in just based on those moves alone.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. I think they, they did a great job with limited flexibility. They, they pretty much did everything they wanted to do or could do. And uh, I think the next next team for me, in a, in a positive way, is Philly. You know, Murray comes in, they get off the corporate contract, and they get um, – but right, Josh Richardson's good. It just doesn't fit there. He can't do what they need him to do, and they flip him for South Curry. I actually like that a lot for both teams. I think Richardson next to Luca as a defender and um, – Kind of a gritty, bigger wing the bigger than Curry works for Dallas, and then Seth Curry steps right in for Philly and gives them some shooting, and then they they get Danny Green coming back from Al Horford. Um, you know it's this they you can tell there's finally an adult in the room in Philly with an actual plan, it, it, you know it, it, it's it's wild how it takes him one day to kind of undo a year's worth of mistakes.
0: No, I agree. I think I mean we talked about for so long with Ben Simmons that we they need to surround him with shooters, and they pretty much did that in a matter of days, you know, going out and getting Curry, going out and getting green. And like you said, I don't think Josh Richardson's a bad player, but I think Curry gives that team a lot more upside for what they want to do than Richardson, and I I agree that Richardson um, fits alongside Luka very nicely. Um, My next team would be Atlanta. I really, really liked what they did. Um, I was actually really surprised that Galinari – Decided to sign there because it was, you know, talked about for so long that he wanted to sign with like a playoff championship contender. Because obviously he's getting towards the later stages of his career, but clearly he saw enough upside in Atlanta. So now you're talking about Gallinari with Collins, Capella. They drafted a Kung Wu, and then you add Bogdanovich to put alongside Trey Young. And that doesn't even talk about their young guys like Cam Reddish, Herder. And then they bring in a nice backup point guard in Rondo, and a little bit of a nice add for bench at least in Chris Dunn. So I really like what Atlanta did as far as um, you know, saying they're pretty much I think going to be a lock for a playoff team now, just based on those moves. I think you had mentioned it last time we talked. Um, they, I think the front office kind of told them, uh, or the owner told them, "You got it like a year to really fix this, or else you're all gone."
1: Um. Yeah, I'm not as high as you. I think Glock is lot for the playoffs is a little much. Um, and it was nice of you to say that Gallinari saw a contender there. I think he saw $20 million a year.
0: <laughs>
1: and, you know, I think people, because how much fun Trey was, think that they were, like, knocking on the door last year. They weren't not good. Um, and I just think that's a lot of new names to get a short, in a short offseason to get going right away. And I just think it's, it's tough for these, you know, the, you draft a wing in the first round, like, three years in a row, like they just did. And now they're basically like, yeah, sorry, it's not working out. You're gonna play ten minutes a game. They got better, without a doubt, but I'm not sure it works as smoothly as they think it will. I don't know what John Collins does now. He's in a contract year. Um, we'll see. I don't know. It's gonna be. It could go great, and I could also see them starting off real slowly and some finger pointing going on. But we'll see. I I, I expect them to be better, but they were really bad last year. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna wait and see.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think the bottom of the East is always up for drives because a lot of those teams, you know, are either good one year and bad the next. I feel like the bottom East is very inconsistent. I'm not to say that the East didn't get better at all in the offseason, but I just think Atlanta's moves, like you said, it's going to be hard because of the shortened offseason stuff. I just think that those moves should um, propel them into hopefully a 7-8 seed, Um, but we'll see, like you said. Who's your uh, next team that you thought had the best offseason?
1: Uh, it's a small thing, but I think the Clippers losing Harrell and replacing him with Ibaka was huge for them because um, they would have been in trouble uh, if they didn't if they didn't do that. But Ibaka has familiarity with Kawhi from Toronto. Slide he, he slides right in perfectly. He still he had a great year last year, so he can still play. And he can play the four or the five, whatever they need him to do. And they got him on a pretty good contract. I just think he um, – you know, I still think they're going to be right in the mix. I don't think they got any – I don't think they got considerably worse. You know, they might have not, not got way better, but they could have been in trouble there for a minute, and they, they did a great job of plugging him in.
0: Yeah, I agree. If they didn't make the Ibaka signing, I'd say they probably would have been on my list for worst offseason. But like you said, the familiarity with Kawhi and then just being able to be a defensive presence for them, I think they still overpaid Marcus Morris. But um, to come back, but overall, I think you're right as far as they didn't get uh, better, but they didn't get worse, and they'll still be right there. And then um, I think it's hard not to put the Suns as a team that got way better, because just adding CP3 alone to put alongside Booker and Aiden's great. Um, I think getting Jay Crowder is a nice piece to kind of throw in there, whether it's yeah, I thought
1: playing. he was going to get more money. That was nice. That was nice.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know if they'll start him or if they'll have him come off the bench. Either way, he's a guy that can do both. And then they also re-signed Sarge, which I thought was um, a good move by them as well.
1: Yeah, they, they had a great summer. Um, I feel like I, I think people were – kind of what I just said about Atlanta. I think people are being hesitant with them. I don't. I, I just think they're going to be really good. I think Chris Paul raises your ceiling immediately. Booker's going to have another, you know, continued uprise of a year. And I just – I'm really excited to watch them. I think Aiton got a lot better last year too.
0: Yeah, do you have any other teams that stood out for you that was good or do you want to move on to uh, the worst teams? You can go first. first. Um, Honestly, I had the Pistons. I didn't really like what they did in the offseason. I was kind of confused at what they were trying to do. I felt like they added a million centers and power forwards. Um, I mean, I like Durant. I think he's a solid player. And then they add Plumlee, Okafor, Josh Jackson. And then you still have Blake Griffin there and Derrick Rose. I expect Blake probably gets moved. But, and then you lose Kennard. I think he go, he's another player that got sent to the Clippers. So that was actually another add for them that we kind of forgot about. They lose yeah, Christian Wood yeah, as well. He's never healthy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they lose Christian Wood as well. Um, I'm just kind of confused at what Detroit was trying to do. And I didn't really like the offseason moves they made. Yeah, no,
1: I think they have a, unless something fell apart, I think they had a plan for Blake. Maybe they still do. So i will wait and see there. I just, I totally agree with you. I think they're getting rightfully crushed, but I just, maybe, I think maybe they're like, who cares? You know, we're going to suck. We're continue to build our, our young guys and we got to spend the money somewhere. It's not like these guys are there for five years, you know? Um, but yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't know what I don't know if they're gonna start four centers or what they're planning on doing.
0: Maybe they'll start Derek Rose and four power fours and centers.
1: Yeah, they they basically paid a lot of money for the Nuggets backup front court from last year, which is really weird.
0: Yeah, and then the Nuggets replaced Grant with Jamichael Green. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, who was a team that you thought didn't have a good off season? Uh, the Cavs.
1: Um, they get Drummond opting in, of course. He was going to say no to that money, but they didn't really do anything. You know, they had money to spend. I don't know if no one wanted to go there or they're just being patient, but they've had a lot of lottery picks in that, on that team now that they either need to surround with vets or need to get way better, and I don't really see any of them making a huge drop next year. So, you know, that's an impatient owner. He always, He traditionally has been. Maybe he found some patience, but I just – it seems like they're a team that's going to do something stupid trade-wise or, or something because they didn't get anybody coming in there except for, like, Delvadova. And I just think they're going to be really bad again next year. They were the worst defensive team in the league last year. They didn't do anything to fix it.
0: Yeah, I can agree with that. And just like the Cavs being bad last year, I have the Knicks. I Every year, I think you go into the offseason and you're like, all right, this is the year the Knicks are going to make a big splash and just finally go out and make a trade. Like we had talked about Russell Westbrook and stuff. And instead of getting going out and, you know, risking it for the biscuit and getting Russell Westbrook or even a guy like Gordon Hayward and bring someone like that in, they settle for bringing in Ed Davis, Alfred Payton, Nerlens, Noel and getting a few second round picks and then drafting Obi Toppin. (laughs) Yeah. They flipped
1: Davis already. I think.
0: Yeah. Actually, no, you're right. Um, that was a good I – I actually
1: liked that move. Like, you know, you can be a place that people will send – like kind of Memphis, when Memphis did with make a dollar last year, you can take on salaries and, and get some picks. I, I like that they didn't pay anybody because I think they're finally they, – I guess – I don't know, but the guys who do know say that this draft coming up is pretty pretty gnarly. So, I think the Knicks are t- sitting this one out. They know they're going to be terrible. And I think for once they're doing what's right, but it, it is going – they're going to be really bad. They're not going to be very fun to watch. Austin Rivers is going to shoot the ball thirty times a game.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just thought they were going to add at least someone so they could maybe build around. I mean, they do have RJ Barrett, and I love Ob Toppin. I just thought the pick was a little bit confusing because you know he Toppin pretty much plays the power forward and he can kind of play small forward. And They already have Barrett, and then they drafted Knox a few years ago, so I'm assuming that they're kind of just done with him. Yeah, I or think else they it's probably wouldn't plans. pick him. Um, I thought they were definitely going to go guard, and I thought with Halliburton from Iowa State on the board, they were going to go there. But um, I mean, getting picks was definitely good. Um, I got, they got three second rounders, so whether they try to move some of those and get up to another first round pick, um, I guess we'll wait and see. But I think next year will be the big determining factor, like you said. I mean, if next year you can't land some of these big star free agents for that market, I think you know Dolan will continue to be the laughing stock.
1: Yeah, um, the the Gordon Hayward thing. I mean, that brings you right to Charlotte. I don't know what that is about. Um, they draft Lamelo Ball, who's pretty much what, Horton, what what Hayward does. You know, he's a wing that can handle the ball and play make for you. And they're so bad, I just figured they were going to just give him the keys and let him go. Like when they they got when they pretty much did not trade for Russ, I was like, oh, okay, they're gonna you know sit this out and develop young guys and see where it goes. I like PJ Washington, you know. They got a couple guys, you know, they're nothing crazy, but Bridges, et cetera, people like that. And then you bring in Hayward for like that contract in three years is going to be looking insane, I think. Guy can't stay on the court. He's in his 30s, I think. Maybe not, but he, he seems like he is. And I just don't, I, if you're going to do something like this, at least get some fans in the seats and get Russ in there. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, we had talked about this, and the Hornets was the last team on my list for, um, bad offseason like you said if you're gonna go make a move go get a russell westbrook or go trade for someone bigger than gordon hayward or instead of paying overpaying gordon hayward i mean hayward is a solid player he just can't stay on the court And like you said when you didn't get russ and i i do like the lamella ball pick for them because i think lamella was the best player in the draft in my opinion he kind of just i knew he was going to go third just because of D'Lo being in Minnesota, so he wasn't going to probably fit there. And then um, I thought Wiseman was kind of an easy choice if the Warriors did hold on to that second pick, which they did. But I thought, like you said, they were just going to kind of let him run it with Washington, Bridges. Um, they did finally get rid of Nicholas Batum, so thank God for that. But I don't think they have
1: yet. I thought they bought him out. No, they're trying to get... They're still trying to get a sign and trade done with Boston, so they don't have to do that. But if they can't get that done, they're going to have to stretch him and, and waive him. Gotcha. But that's 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 the thing, man. Is like they just did this. They got a a wing past his prime, overpaid him, and he didn't play, and he totally tanked their team. And now they're basically running it back with Hayward. It's like I don't know. It's like you know the definition of insanity. I if I was if I was a Hornets fan, I would be like exasperated with that. You just watch Bishum sit on the bench. They make $30 million for four straight years, and they did the exact same thing. I can't, I can't understand it.
0: Yeah, I don't really know what the Hornets – I mean, it's funny to think how Michael Jordan's, like, the best player ever in NBA history, but he's probably one of the worst or- owners in NBA history. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is like, It's not just a $30 million a year thing for Hayward
1: because, like you said, if they have to stretch and wave Batum, that's another $9 million for three years. Because you can cut up that contract over three years when you stretch it. So, basically, you're paying Hayward 38, you know? It's like, if that's what it's not, that's what it's worth to you, that's just mind-boggling. Yeah, I don't
0: really know what they're doing. Um, also, another honorable mention, uh, not for bad off-seasons, for good, I kind of forgot about. Um, I really liked what Portland did. Yeah, me too. Uh, Covington, I thought, was a sneaky ad. I thought that was a great fit for them getting Hood to come back on a pretty friendly contract because he's coming off injury and then bringing back Melo, um, getting rid of Mario Hazonia is always a plus.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I think their bench definitely got a lot better and then throwing Covington or Mello back into the starting lineup with Nuragic and CJ and Dame I think is um, definitely good for them. Yeah, I think uh,
1: basically they combined the – the WCF team that they had that brought, you know, they get Cantor back they get hood back. Um, and then they bring back the the crew from last year in the bubble with like Trenton and, and Mello, and they're hoping hood and Collins get healthy and they can just play, they can play big or small now. And they have some, they have some more options than they had prior. And they have another wing and Covington that can guard the guys that they couldn't guard before.
0: Yeah. And uh, we're going to move now. So last week we did top 10 point guards in the league this week. We're doing shooting guards. Um, you and me were going back and forth a little bit discussing who we were gonna use and stuff because you know certain players are listed as different positions. We're gonna have Paul George on this list because he was listed as shooting guard and he played shooting guard this year. Um no Marcus Smart on this list. And to clarify, I think we both agree that Klay Thompson would be number two or number three in this list had he not gotten hurt again, which also is just tragic for the Warriors and for just NBA fans in general. Yeah, for sure. I So, I, I have eight of the ten guys I'm positive
1: are twos, and then I have, like, two combo guards that can go either way that would not have made the point guard one, but I th- I
0: think that we'll agree on everything. Yeah. Um, this list was actually a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, it's pretty it's pretty thin towards the bottom. Yeah, I was kind of going through after the top, like, six, seven. Even top six, seven was kind of hard. I think my four through six... Even seven, you could like interchange a lot of the guys. Um, but I guess we'll, uh, start with a few guys that were just outside your top 10.
1: Oh, just like who did, who did make the cut? Um, let's see. Uh, Joe Harris, Zach Levine, um,
0: just were just outside the top. Yeah.
1: That's pretty much it.
0: Yeah. I had, um, Buddy Heald just outside, Um, Karis Levert. I'm not sure if he's considered a shooting guard or small forward. I kind of had him there Um, because they're so young. I had Duncan Robinson on the outside just because of he's a great shooter, but I haven't seen enough of him yet. Um, It was really hard between like nine through the first couple out because I'm gonna leave Fournier and Oladipo off mine, but you could easily throw them in like nine, ten in my list. Yeah, I don't have either of those guys either. Um, but those are another few guys that are right in. But who's your number ten?
1: Uh Shea just Alexanderson. He's one of the guys that I think you could maybe, you know, yell and scream that he's a point guard, but he played the two last year. He's big. Um, he can do a lot of stuff off the wing for you. Um, I just like him a lot. I think he's long. He can guard one through three.
0: He can play make. And he seems like he's adding some offense to his game every year. I like him a lot. And we're having our first match right off the bat. I also have Shea Gillis-Alexander as my number 10. Look at that. <laughs> Synergy. Yeah, I, I liked his game a lot. I thought he played really well next to Chris Paul. Um, I think you could definitely see a little bit of the growing pains in the playoffs down the stretch of, you know, the playoffs. I thought he was a little rough at times, but um, I think he's only going to continue to get better, like you said. And I I like what Presty's doing. You know, they have a very young team. Um, They still have some veteran guys that they're kind of bringing in and taking on for, you know, getting more picks and stuff. And I think they're going to be a team to watch out for in a few years for sure. Um, Who's your number nine? Uh, DeRozan, which I know he's past his prime, but he's still, I think besides
1: Harden, he was the best ISO uh, scorer in the league last year. Um, Takes a lot of crap because he couldn't get through LeBron, but I don't think that should be a, you know, who gets through LeBron? Nobody. Yeah. feel bad for him because as soon as he got traded to the West, LeBron went to the West and he just to start playing him again. Um, I just think he's one of those guys that got called overrated for so long. I think he became underrated. Um, the Spurs are just in between the young guys and the old guys. And so I think they're trying to get off of them, but I don't think it's because he can't play anymore.
0: Yeah. I like DeRozan's game a lot. Um, I honestly don't have him on my list. I wasn't sure if he was considered a two or a three just because of the Spurs, because they have Lonnie Walker and they had Forbes in them. Sometimes he did play the three. Um, but if he was on my list, I think he'd probably be right where you're at. I have Levine at nine. Um, I think he's progressively continually getting better, um, at least scoring the ball. I know his defense still needs some work, and he's kind of just been on a bad team for you know the past two, three years. And I'll still say to this day that the Wolves made the wrong move in getting rid of him. Um, first instead of Wiggins, personally, um, but I just like Levine's game a lot. I think he's going to continue to get better. Um, I don't know if the Bulls are going to make the playoffs at all, but um, I'm just a big fan of his game and the way he plays personally. Yeah, I, I don't have him. Um, I just I'm just not a huge fan of the guy. This one we just disagree on. I just I
1: think he's pretty tough to coach. Uh, never passes the ball. Um, I think if he's You know, coming off your bench as a spark plug, like like a Jamal Crawford role, that's useful. But if he's a guy that you're going to pay that much and build your team around, I don't think you're going to go anywhere. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he's definitely when when DeRozan was the best player on the Raptors for years, they were you know one seeds, two seeds. This this guy can't break thirty wins.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I can see where where you're coming from. I just like his game a lot. Um, I can definitely see the coaching problems. Although, to be fair, I don't think Boylan was the yeah, sharp tool and shed, but um, he's not exactly Popovich. Yeah, <laughs> uh, who's your number eight? Uh, McCollum
1: from the Blazers. He really, he's really really good scorer, really creative scorer. Uh, I think he's you know, if he had two more inches on him, which is not his fault, but it's a fact, and he just, he just gets caught on defense having to guard guarder guys, uh, guard bigger guys, and I think. I don't know if it's a lack of effort or if he's just a little too small, but, you know, it's, I think he gets abused on, on switches and defense and um, absolute microwave score when he's cooking. It's really fun to watch, but a lot of guys can do that. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his, but um, there's, he's one of those guys where it's like, damn, I wish – it's like he's awesome but something, you know, and it's just he leaves more to be desired than I think um, a lot of guys in his situation.
0: Yeah, I actually I also have CJ McCollum at number eight. <laughs> um I completely agree with everything you just said. I love the um when you talk about him, you're kind of just like, you know, the always but something. Mm-hmm. Um there's something about when CJ McCollum gets hot though that's like different than like other players just because he does it. He's one of the few he's, players he's I think he's a throwback. And... He's a throwback scorer,
1: you know? Yeah. He gets to the uh, elbow, he gets to his spots.
0: Yeah, him and DeRozan are the few guys left, I think, in today's game that are willing to continually still shoot that mid-range. I feel like every coach now is telling him, like, you know, threes are worth more. I remember listening to J.J. Reddick's podcast, and when he went to New Orleans, one of the first things he got told there was, you know, the analytics guy went up to him and was like, hey, J.J., you take this many, you know, step-in twos. It's actually worth this from three. And I feel like DeRozan and CJ are kind of like nostrils that I like my mid-range. I'm going to keep doing it. For um, sure. Yeah,
1: you're right. I think I feel like last year he made a concerted effort to shoot a little more threes. But when you're right, when he's cooking, he can't really shake it. It's just a, such a, for, nat- a force of nature for him and habit that he, I think he's just, when he gets in his zone, he just has to get to his spot, which I totally get. And, and I like watching him and Dame because whoever's hot out of the two, it's like Steph and Clay. They don't really care who it is as long as it's one of them and they'll kind of just sit, sit one out and be like, all right, let him cook.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, who's your number seven?
1: So he's Here's the other one that you can maybe make a case that he's a one, but I put a Holiday here. Because, um, like, the way I tried to classify it is, is who do you guard? You know? Um, I think it's the easiest way to, to do it. And I, Holiday's a bigger guard. I think he's done both, but I feel like the last few years he's been the two. Um, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but... Um, like we said, I think, I do think he's a little overrated, like three first round picks, stuff. I think he's going to look insane in a few years, especially Jesus. And John, if Giannis leaves, I don't know what they do, but um, he's a guy that he's just, he's like a Swiss army knife holiday. He does a lot of stuff for you. He doesn't, he's not going to hurt you in any way. Um, You know, he's not exactly electric um, or super athletic, but he's also
0: not going to, he's he's kind of a flawless basketball player. Yeah, I do have holiday on my list. I don't have him at this spot, but he's, Pretty much right. He's actually one above. I have him at six. So I'll kind of just give my opinion now on him and we can kind of skip him for me when we talk about the next guy. Um, I have him at six. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think, like you said, giving up that many picks, especially if Giannis honestly is so bad. Um, the thing with NBA, I was thinking about this the other day, just across like big four sports, um, to kind of just go off topic for a second. But for NBA, is it me or do I feel like the picks don't matter as much for like the good teams because half the time they're picking in the 28 to 30 range or like super late. And a lot of times most of the guys are role players or just don't turn into anything. I mean, there are a lot of exceptions, but I feel like NBA there's not as many like late first second round guys that end up making like significant, significant impact for you. Right. And that's,
1: the, that's, I think what their thought process is, is they say, if, Hey, you know, if, if this is what gets the honest to state, then it's worth it because like you said, then they're not, they're going to be picking in the, in the low twenties at, at worst. And, and then new Orleans thought is, Hey, this is worth a shot. If you honestly, this, these might be lottery picks, but I'm with you. You know, that's when you get to the bottom of the first round, man, you're basically just throwing darts at the wall and seeing what works. Cause all these guys can play, you know, they were all the best player
0: on their college team. I think it's, one of the tougher sports to predict who, who breaks through like that, like you're saying. Yeah. And then you look at teams like Miami and stuff who pick up guys like Kendrick Nung and Duncan Robinson who are undrafted. Right, so that, I mean... that's,
1: that's, I'm glad you brought that up actually, because I don't think we made this point before. I think people have this tendency to say like San Antonio, Miami always nailed the draft. You know, I'm sure you've heard that. And although I agree with that, I think you're, they're giving them credit for the wrong thing. Um, I think they develop whomever they take better than any other
0: teams. So you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, for
1: sure. Like, like I don't think if Hero and Bam go to Sacramento... Did I already say this? No. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not repeating myself. But, because I've been making this point to people. I, I just think, like, you know, if, if Charlotte or Sacramento takes those two guys, I don't think that we have them in the, in the scene that we do. You know what I mean? I think that the way San Antonio and, and Miami and, you know, De- I think Denver's like this, um, I think their developmental program is better. Like, I listened to Duncan... Talk to uh, Zach Lowe. Did you listen to that conversation? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, and he's just like, I think there really is a different level of practice and like skill development there, where even though they aren't making the right pick, I just think people—it's a lazy take for guys to say, "Oh, Sacramento uh, screwed up the draft again." It's like, no, they had a top-tier talent that they screwed up. You know, once he got there.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like all about development. I mean, you look at Philadelphia with. Markel Fultz, like, everyone's going to say that's a huge bust for them, but he's been doing... I mean, for the first season in Orlando, he played a lot better than totally. I thought he was going to play.
1: Totally. And like like, like Robinson said, when, the, when Spolster came down to watch him in that G League team, he said he scored pretty well, and he, and he shot well, and he thought they were going to be, like, you know, glowing and praise. And he said the first thing Spolster said was, like, there's a loose ball right in front of me. Why don't you die for it?
0: Yeah, and, I mean... It it's, just, just, <laughs> it's just They just have a
1: different level of Expectation there.
0: Yeah. And um, so getting back on track, I know we got a little That was a good conversation though. Um, I had Jalen Brown at seven. I think him and Holiday were both interchangeable for me at the six seven spot. Yep, he's uh, back, he's next to me too. Yeah. Uh all right, so that's perfect then. So you had him at six and I had holiday at six. So it was pretty much split like I said, both interchangeable. Brown um love his game a ton. I think it stood out more when Kyrie was hurt because then it was kind of just him and Tatum show. Um, I think you'll actually see him explode a little bit more this year now that Hayward's gone. Um, Because I think last year, there were so many players there last year between Kemba, Hayward, Brown, Tatum. And I think next year, obviously, it's going to be Tatum's kind of team. But, I mean, Kemba's still there. But I think Jalen Brown's a big, big piece for them. Um, if they want to go far into the playoffs and win a championship. But I just really like his game, defends a lot of good players, can score the ball. Uh, I think he's got to get a little bit more consistent shooting the three, but overall I'm a big fan of his game.
1: Yeah, me too. When he went third in the draft, I think I was – I definitely was like, what? Like, you know, I, he didn't – he was at Cal for a year. I didn't really notice him. Um, he was still pretty raw. They've done – great job and he's done a great job of getting better every year i I just i didn't think he'd ever be this good offensively and like you said i don't think he's done building it either like i think his jumper gets better every year he becomes more of a a better playmaker and him and him and tatum seem to have a really good chemistry together
0: yeah they're gonna be a threat in the east for a long time just having those two guys and if kemba can get like fully healthy and back to Prime when he was in Charlotte, I think they're going to be a really scary team to watch. Um, yeah, it's
1: weird, it's weird that they didn't want Miles Turner back when they were getting off Hayward. I, did you notice that? Yeah, they would rather have Tristan Thompson, which maybe, maybe they know something I don't. But I would have, I would, I would have plugged Turner in there in a heartbeat. But you know, it's it, you got it, it, on one hand, it's like you want to crush them for losing uh, Kyrie and Horford and, and Hayward for nothing, but on the other hand, it's like they keep winning. You know, they're, they're doing something right.
0: Yeah. And then I had Holiday at Sixth Charity kind of talked about. So um, we're going in the top five now. I think this is where things get a little bit tricky because there's a couple young guys in here that are really, really good. And I think they're kind of all interchangeable um, personally. But who's your number five? Yeah.
1: So these guys, I feel like week to week could switch. Uh, I have Mitchell fifth. It is hard. Cause he, uh, he's, he's one of those guys like uh, McCollum where when he's, when he's going crazy, there's really nothing you can do. um, But now I'm just splitting hairs between him and the, and the guys ahead of him. But he, uh, and a guy like McCollum too, where I just wish he, he was a, little, a couple inches taller, you know, but he's awesome. I have, I have Mitchell fifth.
0: Yeah. I also have Donovan Mitchell fifth. Um, he's is... I, I
1: like him too. I want to put him higher. I just can't do it.
0: Yeah, I know. I think the next couple guys is we want to put him higher cause we've They've just shown so many flashes of these are going to be the guys that are going to be like the stars of the league once a lot of these guys kind of age out. But it's one of those also that the other guys in front of them have done it for so long and are still so good and in their primes that you can't like put them in front. But I really love Mitchell's game. Him and uh, Jamal Murray going back and forth at it in the playoffs was awesome to watch. Um, Also, shout out Jamal Murray because I think – I don't know about you but I think we just both completely missed him in the last list cuz I definitely think he's a top 10 point guard. Um I know we had a little bit discussion whether he's a point guard shooting guard cuz Jokic brings the ball up. I would personally list him as a point guard so I don't have him on this list but I would definitely put him in the top 10 if we went back. I just kind of completely had him slip my mind. Yeah, I broke my own rule when I said
1: before who do you guard? He you know he's a one. He guards point guards and I just they they go throw so heavy through Jokic that like you said they just I don't consider him like a, like an offense runner at all. But he's, you know, in today's NBA, he's definitely a point guard. We whiffed there. Yeah. Um, who's your number four? So here's Booker. Um, it's tough because I think Mitchell would hear me say that and be like, You gotta be kidding me, man. I make the playoffs every year. Um, but I think Utah's just been a better organization. surrounds them a little bit better than Booker has been. And I'm kind of banking on him being this high because I'm expecting to jump this year. And I'll be I'll be very surprised if they're not um, markedly better with him and Paul. I just think he he's big, six six, big shot maker, big shot taker. Um, I did, and he's, he's just really he's he's got a really like beautiful like pretty game. You know, he's he's nice to watch. It's it's, it's, it's like aesthetically pleasing.
0: Yeah, and a uh, lot of common themes today. I also have Devin Booker for four, sort of pretty much mo- compared to the point guard list, we're very much on the same page for shooting guards today. I completely agree. Um, Mitchell was definitely just in a better organization, like you said. They were also just way better defensively, too. Like, the Suns were just so bad defensively for so long. But now I think they have a good coach in Williams. Um, Now they have Aiden continuing to develop. And Chris Paul, I think, is the perfect fit because Chris Paul is going to be a guy that will still put in, you know, 17 to 20 a game when you need him to. But he's going to let Devin Booker kind of just cook and let him do his thing and then run the pick and roll with in, and have guys like Crowder and Cam Johnson and Starrich around to kind of kick the ball out too. So I also have Booker at four.
1: Definitely. They're they're at the top of my league pass rankings this year for sure. I, I'm, I'm going to watch them
0: probably more than anybody else when the season starts. Um, I think top three was pretty much consensus on those guys. Yeah, I'm was... sure we have the same three guys. They might be in a different order. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Thompson would definitely be in here if he had not gotten hurt, which I'm still super pissed about. Just because, dude works so hard, and then he ruptures Achilles in the other leg. Like that's just brutal, man. Right. I love it's, watching it's, them play. They, and the, just...
1: People like people always say that, like when you're coming back in rehab like that, you overcompensate on the other leg, not on purpose. It just kind of happens because you know one's stronger than the other, and these injuries happen. I think Durant said that's happened to him. Um. And, like, we were talking about bad and good offseason before. I didn't know where to put them because the injury is terrible. You know, that might literally end your run here as, like, a dynasty. But I thought they did a pretty good job scrambling after that happened and plugging in an Uber, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, who's your number three? Beal. Um, I think he's the first guy ever to have 30 a game and not be all NBA. <laughs> Something like that I saw. Um, just ask his wife. She'll tweet about it. Um. I think he, when he wants to. I mean, he took a year off from playing defense last year. I don't really blame him because they were terrible. But when he's invested, he's one of the best defensive wings in the in the country. I said almost in the country. Like he's still in college, in the <laughs> league. Um, you know, be, I'm sure you more than anyone wants to see them at full strength, back to their old days. But Beal's is just really versatile uh, scorer. When he's got a point guard with him. They're really dangerous. He's big. He's strong. You know, he dunks it. He shoots the three. Um, I don't know. I just hope they get back in the mix.
0: Yeah, I also have Beal at three. He's. I think you're right. I think it was – he's the first player to average. I think it was 35-4 and four for, like, assists and rebounds, too. And he was not a member of the all-NBA team. Not even that. Like, he didn't even make the all-star team, which I think is just absurd. Who do you like, take out? I mean – Cause you got to, you can't do the one and not do the other. You know, you got to tell me who you're taking out.
1: I guess Trey, right?
0: Yeah. Well, it's just one of those that everyone was saying, like, oh, it's because he's on a bad team and stuff. But in my head, I'm like, well, you started Trey Young in the All Star game, and they were way worse.
1: Right. That's a fan vote, though.
0: Yeah. Um... I'm with
1: you. I'm with you there for sure. I think if, if coaches and media make the whole team, I think Beal would replace him. You know? Yeah. I can't. He's even... one of those guys that just every every young kid likes and goes on online and votes for 50 times a day.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I haven't. I couldn't even think of, like, who was on the All-Star team. I'm sure there's probably a guy on there that I maybe could take yeah, out. Yeah, it, it would be, like, a Lowry or a Middleton or something like that. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, Beal definitely – he does, like you said, last year he didn't play a lot of defense because he didn't have a choice because he had to drop 30 to 40 every game to even give them a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Um. Hopefully, with Wallback they'll be a better. I know he was rumored to be a swap with Westbrook which I just don't think would make sense for either team. I don't think you're really changing your team that much either way. But now the G or the owner and GM said that they're not moving on from wall. So we'll yeah, see. I heard, I heard Jackie
1: Mack float out an idea that I liked. Tell me if you like this. I know. I mean, you would hate it probably, but just to swap Wall for Blake Griffin.
0: Um, I don't know if I would hate it. I mean, I wouldn't like it from the setup because I like wall and I like Beal together and I think they're good together, but it's almost like the Damon-CJ situation where it comes a point in time where you kind of – not that you get tired of it, but it's like, all right, we got to try something else because we're not getting to where we want to be. Or at least Portland, I think, has been at least more successful than Washington in the playoffs. But for Washington, it's kind yeah, of like – Yeah, barely. Yeah. I mean, Washington's kind of just frustrating because Wall and Beal are both super good players. Wall's obviously been hurt. Um, He's obviously had some stuff with – you know the media and stuff going on in the team, where the team hasn't really liked what he's been doing um, outside of basketball. But um, yeah, I, I think we both are agree though that um, Beal's just—I I really like watching Bradley Beal play. He's another one that he can hit the mid-range consistently when he wants to as well. Yeah, it's automatic. Um, and then you have jo- you have George next. Yep, Paul George too, and then obviously Harden one.
1: Yeah, George. Um, everyone craps on him. It's it's become one of those lazy jokes on the internet now. Um, And he melted down. I don't think there's any other way to put it. But like the playoff P thing, he can do it. You know, in Indiana, when he was 21 years old, he was going toe-to-toe with LeBron James in the East Conference Finals. I don't know what happened to that guy. But it's in there somewhere. Um, A couple years ago, he was like third in MVP voting and when he was on the Thunder. I do think he gets banged up a lot. And I think people aren't, you know, putting that in the equation. But it is – I mean, I shouldn't stick up for a guy too much that blows two 20-point leads in a 3-1 series. But
0: at, when he's when he's, when he's he's right, he's – you know, you, you
1: can't put him lower than two.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And um, we had a discussion on this, like I said. He plays – the for most of his career, he was playing the three. But last year, because of him and Kawhi there, I think he's definitely now a two. Um, like you said, he was going toe-to-toe with, you know, just – thinking back to those Miami series i just vividly remember getting up out of my uh off my couch when he just i think it was a windmill dunk right on uh Chris Anderson yeah just destroyed him i was like oh my god who is this kid but yeah him and lebron were going toe to toe and he was really young but he just i don't know man he's he's got a lot of pressure this year I, i'll tell you that because you know, he's already kind of a meme from, you know, Dame hitting that shot over him and then waving their whole team goodbye to then getting traded to the Clippers with Kawhi and everyone's hyping them up to be the favorites. They blow a 3-1 lead. He doesn't show up. And now, if, I, if I'm if i correct, I believe him and Kawhi Leonard have player yep. options or are free agents next year. Yep. So it's like... The Clippers. So does Ibaka. So does Ibaka.
1: They, they, so yeah. they could all leave. And the Clippers they, you know gave up. That? I think it is tough when the best player on your team has no interest in being the leader of your team. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Like, the that Raptors team, I think everyone would say that Lowry is the heart of that team and the leader of that team. Like, I don't think Kawhi takes enough crap for being kind of a shitty teammate. Um, it's I saw reports that guys were fed up that he plays whenever he wants. And... You know, you call the shots, I guess, when you're the best. But if you're going to do all that crap, I think you need to be a little louder and your voice needs to be there. And I think George gets caught in between, you know, should I speak up or should I shut my mouth and just go along for the ride? And then the guys like Marcus Morris and Pat Beverly, who have no business being a leader of a team, are the loudest ones on the team. And they just get, you know, they kind of scramble. But I, I think, I just think George is in a tough spot. But as far as talent goes, if they won the championship next year, I would not even blink, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, like I said, I think the big pressure thing is if the Clippers don't win next year or get to the finals, like they gave up so many picks to get there, or to get Paul George, and if they both leave, that's gonna be really bad.
1: For sure, it's the it's like the Giannis <laughs> thing. It's like it's like if you if it, if it helps you get Giannis there, then the trade looks good, and like it helps get it helped got Kawhi to the Clippers, so the trade looks good. But like you're saying, if they both walk, it's an abject disaster.
0: And then, obviously, Harden's that one.
1: Yep, what else is there to say? You know, he's, he's amazing. Um, well, I'm interested to see how they play without D'Antoni, if they still do the crap they do. Um, but he's just – I've just never seen anyone score at the consistency in all the ways that he does. He's, like, the strongest upper body guy that's that quick I've ever seen. You know, he finishes through contact. He will absolutely embarrass you off the dribble. And he gets a shot off so quick that – Sometimes guys are right there. You just throw their hands up. Like, what am I supposed to do with this guy?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of him personally. And I don't like the way he plays because I hate the iso ball stuff. But
1: yeah, we'll there's see no like, denying he's the best shooting guard. Yeah, I mean, if, if anyone said he wasn't, that's just some hater stuff. You know, that's a personal vendetta.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't like him. But I'm fully willing to admit that he's the best shooting guard in the game. Yeah, if he was traded, that'd be fun
1: shakeup. But I don't think, I don't think you can do it with that many years left. I don't think that you would ever get a return that was fair.
0: Yeah, I just don't know where they would trade him. I know he wants to go to Brooklyn. I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just wouldn't. I would never take back that hodgepodge of like Dinwiddie and those guys. I, I would think. I would think about Simmons if Philly wanted to do it. For sure, I think that'd be an interesting trade.
0: But then you got to get off Russ. Also true. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's gonna do it for today's episode. Another good we pretty much agreed with most of our shooting guards, so that was that was pretty interesting. But um we will regroup again in a few weeks. We'll have our small forward rankings and I'm sure we'll have some more free agency news and stuff and we'll maybe we'll do um the power rankings like we were talking about, predicting the east and the west for top eight. Yeah, man, sounds good. All right, good talk, new Zach, and I'll talk